What's Good Friends List episode 122 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. We've finally gotten to see a new look at Halo Infinite's campaign, and while the timing was cutting it pretty close, many fans were relieved to actually see marginal improvements since its last showing. But will it be the refresh the franchise needs? So, this week, we break down all the new info regarding Halo Infinite's campaign overview and why its new approach to open environment could both be a smash hit or a failure. Does Halo CE mixed with Far Cry seem like your thing? Then stick around as we dissect this bad boy. Also, Vicarious Visions fully becomes one with Blizzard, Concerned Ape's newest project gets revealed, and much, much more coming up on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> Now the fun begins. Bridget. Stop! You violated the law! Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz that I tell you every week, wherever you get a podcast at, jump on us. That sounded weird. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, though, follow us on Twitter as well, if you don't mind. At GPGC Podcast, stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like in our dope giveaways. I meant to say, what I meant to say was, so get on it. But somehow came on, came out and jump on us. So, yeah, you're at least having a better day than me. Anyways, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms. Joining me as always, my partner in crime, the best man, Mike Peepak. Mike, what is good? What is going on? And I have a feeling you're going to talk about your Diablo 2 addiction before we jump into it too much. I'm just going to... What, what do you mean? Just laying it out there. Just the laying it out. Game, the amount that I play that is not normal? Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Of an addic addiction? No, nah, I mean... We just need to have a conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, this is this be... is a welcoming environment here. Um, <laughs> no, I'm gonna but, need an intervention at this point. No, but it's it's definitely it seems like one of those things that I find it so interesting because of the criticisms you have with this game, but you're clearly getting this enjoyment out of this experience that you've wanted for so long. A lot of people have wanted for so long. Mm -hmm. And that mindset of, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing that, hey, we love this. Give us more of this. You're finally getting that. You're digging into it, but you still have a lot of these criticisms with it. What is this thing that keeps driving you back to this game? I mean, you could be playing anything else, MCC, yeah. your whole Steam library, things like that, like whatever. The new phasmoph uh, Phasmophobia stuff that we still need to play. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, why is it? Why is it? do you keep coming back to this and devoting hours and hours into this game that you have criticized, but clearly love very much? Yeah, this is uh, definitely a little bit of an. And that's not a bad thing. Trust me. I love a lot of shitty games, movies. I shouldn't say shitty, but a lot of quote unquote, bad games, bad movies, whatever. Like 
I still find enjoyment out of them. But like, I'm just curious as to how it how it's evolved into this like teeter totter almost of this this balancing act of your time that you're like, man, I have a lot of criticism about about this, but I'm really fucking enjoying my time playing this at the same time. Yeah, I find myself Diablo Two has always been a game that. Like, every once in a while, I'll always go back to. It's just always been that way. Ever since 2001, when the game first came out, and my brother brought... Like, I got to play it because my brother had it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we played Diablo 1. So, it's always been one of those games that I've always gone back here and there and really dug myself back into for a, a brief amount of time. Mm-hmm. Then I've usually gotten over it because <clears throat> there's just been, like, reasons for me to move on. Like... Oh, a new ladder re- is resetting tomorrow. I have a little bit of free time. I'll make a I'll make a sorceress. I'll be level 86. I'll be the 13th ranked sorceress in the world in softcore for a little bit. And then I'll move on because I just don't want to devote that much more time into it. So I've always gone back to the game. And it's something about the ARPG genre that gets me. Like creating a character and digging back into this game. And I think I kind of figured out what it is. You know, you knowing me, it's no secret. Like, I like to gamble. Like, I don't have like a gambling <laughs> problem, but I don't mind mixing yeah, it up and like, yeah. betting on sports, betting on things of that nature. And I feel like the real reason why I've gotten into Diablo, especially now, but even when I was younger, I knew that there was like basically what we'd call like GG gear. There's like the o- optimal gear that you can get for characters. And some of it's like one in 5,000, some of it's one in 100,000 that you find these drops whenever you're like magic finding. Mm-hmm. So I think magic finding is what really got me to get into this game as much as humanly possible back when I was a little bit younger. And even now, I find myself spending a lot of time magic finding. And I found myself that once I magic find for a long time and I find some of this GG gear for stuff, mm-hmm. I find other GG gear for other characters. Like, for instance, I found gear that is useful especially on an amazon so i want to level up an amazon because amazons are really good at farming cows um massively like massive amounts of cows really fast mm-hmm. and that's the easiest way for you to find high runes that'll help you with like the hammered in that i built because i found hammered in gg gear so it's like this revolving door of like i built a sorceress a blizzard sorceress first pack her with like 400 magic find she does like 7,000 damage with my blizzards so I can clear bosses relatively quickly. I can clear the ancient tunnels. I find GG gear for different characters, and then I want to make those characters. And mm-hmm. I'm going to use my hammered in as, like, I'm going to farm Uber uh, Tristram runs so I can farm torches so I can get even more endgame GG gear for characters. And it's, like, kind of like a weird, like, it's a tough revolve. It's a tough... Uh, basically revolving door of like constantly wanting to find better and better gear and finding more and more shit. Mm-hmm. And even though the ladder doesn't exist yet, um, it just frees me up to do other things with the game that I necessarily wouldn't have tried or wouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much what it is for me. I feel like it's a part like gambling thing. Like, Oh, I'm going to go do a hundred Mephisto runs. And what am I going to find? Am I going to finally find that piece of gear I'm looking for? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of, gives me a huge um, boost of uh, um, dopamine, like Mm -hmm. whenever you're farming this gear. So I feel like the dopamine release that you get whenever you find that gear is a huge part of it. Um, And also just 
simply enjoying the game for pretty much all my life is also, you know, part of part of the battle there. So that would probably be the biggest reason why, you know, those would be the biggest reasons why I find myself continuously going back to this uh, crack pipe, if you will. But <laughs> uh, I wouldn't, you know, really change it for anything because at the end of the day, one of the reasons why I have criticisms for this game continuously is because I want it to be pretty damn near perfect, right? I mm -hmm. want it to be as close to perfect as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And the only way to get it to that point is if you have these constructive criticisms that you want it to be better. Because at the end of the day, I know whenever you're playing this game, D2R, like Diablo 4 is going to be a lot different than mm -hmm. Diablo 2. And rightfully so, just like Age of Empires 4 that released today is a lot different than Age of Empires 2. And rightfully so, because you need to grow and you need to expand and you need to get better. But that doesn't mean that, like, basically, I just don't want them to give us D2R and then have us, like, basically move on with our lives and be like, okay, you got what you wanted, now move on. Mm -hmm. Like, I want it to be the perfect experience because we've been playing D2 for 20 years. D2R might carry me through for another 20 years. You never know. Mm -hmm. um, just with all the content that's here and everything of that nature. I'm excited to see where we go and, you know, how far we can push it. Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah, there's, I mean, there is nothing wrong with that by, you know, in the least little bit, considering I'm always one of those people that if you're getting enjoyment out of a game, I don't, I don't give a shit what a Metacritic says, like score says, I don't care what mm -hmm. consensus says. If you're finding enjoyment out of it, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, I mean, I play a lot of games that, you know, <laughs> it looks interesting. I want to try it. Yeah. It may not have gotten the best score out there, but I find enjoyment out of it. Um, mm -hmm. just because like, there's nothing wrong with that and like the things you like, you know? So, but it, I, I'm, I totally agree with you in the sense of, I don't want to say holding somebody's feet to the fire, but saying, Hey, okay, you gave us this product. We're giving you constructive feedback because not because, Oh, we're pissed that you gave it to us. No, no, no. You started the conversation with us. You opened the door for this. You gave us the first step of this. We just want this to just be better than like, we're just trying to help you make, make it exactly what you want to get more people into the door, make it a more polished product, more, more of the experience that we, the fans have been wanting, which mm -hmm. in then turn will have us say, Hey, you're, you like uh grim dawn. Hey, you like Diablo, you know, classic Diablo experience. Hey, you like Pillars of Eternity. You should try out D2R. Like, mm -hmm. it's... It, yes, a Metacritic score will help that. And, you know, it did get good scores on release. But, you know, there are things with this game that, you know, a lot of people who are more of the hardcore fan base, you know, who would traditionally recommend some of these things to other people, like, who have similar tastes in hardcore audiences of PC gaming or just uh traditional rpg fans might not be doing that right now so mm -hmm. and especially too after the debacle with warcraft 3 and whatnot a lot of people who like blizzard games just don't want them to go down that blizzard needs all the help it can get right now <laughs> in a lot of ways they need all the help they can get right now and i'm not saying that in a like they deserve help but more in a sense of they need all the goodwill they can right now for the sense, you know, because what they embodied and allowed and uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Mike? Uh, like. Allow, oh, I guess just fostered that what happened there to grow. Yeah, over time that culture. Culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That 
nothing that they release or do is going to change that, you know, at least for the time being. It is not going to make that disappear by any means. But, you know, focusing on what, you know, tackling all, obviously, all those big things that they need to tackle from an ethical standpoint. But in terms of their work, focusing on building good grace with their community. And right now they need that with what's going on with D2R from your standpoint, because from my understanding of what, because I bought the game, I still have yet to play it. I played the beta and whatnot, but I bought it so I could play the beta, but, um, or pre-ordered it so I could play the beta, but like, it's one of those things that's just, it's just frustrating to see that like, Hey, here's a great base to this. Let's just make it a little bit better. And mm-hmm. it it just needs to be. I I remember when we were younger, when I would hear a blizzard, it was very much in the same realm of what Valve used to be like. And, and to a degree, Valve is kind of still that way, just not as forward facing with it. That same with like Bethesda. Before thing before the games industry really started blossoming and blooming into what it is now, and another pillar, straight pillar of entertainment. You know, you used to be able to, oh, they were very consumer friendly. They were very consumer focused like this. And like, it was just one of those, hey, I knew what I was getting with this product. And they allowed, you know, look at all the games that came out of just the mod community alone, like that had their birth within, you know, Valve, Blizzard and, you know, uh, fucking A. What was the other one? Oh, Bethesda. Just games like that have come out of just modding from their games and the community control within those games. You know, it's. It's just crazy to see where Blizzard's at right now. Take everything out that's, you know, obviously from an ethical standpoint that's going on right now. But the company themselves, like, granted, they all either, well, Valve just is more focused on, obviously, their e-commerce side. But, you know, the other two have now been bought. So it's a little different. But I don't know. I would just like to see, I, I want to see Blizzard get a win. And I especially want to see this team who worked on that that was primarily vicarious visions get a win on that because we're going to talk about that in button mash, but I want to see, I want to see these teams really find success because like we've talked about before, the loud minority who is getting all the attention with all the shitty things that they did at blizzard is taking away from the silent majority who are incredible people and talented people who are putting their heart and soul into these games that are being overshadowed by all the shittiness that happened. So, anywho, on my end, <laughs> with what I've been playing, um, just kind of all over the place, playing a little back for blood with you guys. Um, last week was, I got married, so I was a little bit busy doing uh, married, getting married things, um, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, didn't have a ton of time to play games, uh, but still was able to jump in Destiny, was able to get my kind of, basic rotation of games in there um but i would like to jump into a few new games this week kind of starting up i need to get back to my bethesda uh playthroughs that i i'm closing in on one year until starfield so there's a there's a bunch of games i need to get through and 100 at least in terms of getting full achievements or platinums um age of empire age of empires 4 is out today so i want to play that um we might have to play that later and most importantly what we've been talking about all the new content from Faz. i we mm. really need to get in and play that shit like tonight or something <laughs> um, so i uh, there's a ton of stuff on my end now that 
the crate some of the craziness in my life has settled down a little bit i can get back to playing games um you know i'm starting to wrap up one of my classes for th- uh 3d modeling and animation so like it'll, it'll start to calm down a little bit at least a little bit so then i could tackle the fall season of games here that's going to be coming up uh that we're eventually going to get hit by um i didn't pick up guardians of the galaxy just because not that i not that i was worried about reviews or anything like that I just, I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? That's going to be a perfect Black Friday game. That'll be a good Black Friday $20 pickup kind of thing. Like a solid eight that I want to play, maybe don't want to pay $60 right now to it, considering I just paid a shit ton of money for my wedding. So, you know, stuff like that. So thank God for Game Pass though, because Age of Empires dropping, or Age of Empires 4 dropping right now, installing it on Game Pass right now on the PC. All good. All good. Anyways, I also go ahead. Go I ahead. also wanted to say, like, as, as part of the D two, like, as part of the D two discussion, mm-hmm. not to just like I know I go on and I either talk about Halo or playing D two constantly, and people out there are probably like, Jesus Christ, this guy needs to get a new new game or a new hobby. But oh, I will brother, say, like, this guy stinks. I will say that like playing Diablo two is a lot of fun for me because I want to you know, beat hell mode. I want to do some of the end game content because there's even more to do after hell, especially with the expansion. Mm -hmm. But like, for instance, me and Adam this morning for a bit played Diablo two and I've done a lot of different builds. I've done like the ideal builds and stuff like that, if you will, Mm -hmm. where I've done the hammered ins and things of that nature. But one of the builds that like, one of the things that kind of opens you up to do is like, once you've done a lot of that stuff, and you have some of like the end game content like I have mm-hmm. and some of the end game gear. Now I made a druid with him and I was going to do, I'm going to do an, ele- it's going to be an elemental druid at the end of the day. Like eventually it's going to be just casting, mm-hmm. but just for shits and giggles, because I've never done it. I made it a wear bear. So I got some gear that'll like make me be able to play as a bear form druid. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just going through the game with him playing as a druid that is just constantly in bear form and it's kind of trolly, but it's just been a lot of fun to play something different than like completely meta builds. Like it's fun to go off the grid a little bit and actually play the game in a, such a different way. Yeah. I won't be able to get to end game content with it, but playing through on, on in normal mode is going to be fun enough. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's always nice kind of stepping outside your comfort zone a little bit, like trying Absolutely. something different. So, um, especially in games, obviously, but I uh, no, that's dope, man. That's dope um also too i played apex for the first time in forever last night um and i got a message from jason saying like you need to get p-pack on that apex grind and i was like his computer just doesn't like that game so (laughs) yeah i don't know what it is about that game it just doesn't run um and i know this goes like against it's probably a reason why a lot of people like apex but god i wish there was just a solo mode in that so i like didn't have to because i hate playing with randoms and like br games like it's just not enjoyable like nobody's mm-hmm. ever on the same like wavelength or anything even with apex this is uh pinging system and everything like that that's like second nature for everyone now at this point in every game that's developed but um i just wish people pretty a... much want to do people pretty much want to do their own thing and it's either right. they're going to go hot drop or they're going to hide everywhere right and that's why like i'll just drop solo and won't fill my team on like duos or something like that and then i'm playing 2v1 which like yeah if i want to challenge myself and like try to get better at the mechanics of the game and whatnot like that like i'd rather play like that and you know try to be able to take on you know multitasking with what's going on in certain you know situations and things like that that's fun but like the same time too i would also 
like to just worry about 1v1 as well or, Mm -hmm. you know. But anywho, I don't want to get too long in that because I can go all day about that shit. (laughs) Anyways, though, Mike, let's head into Button Mash. If you're new to the show, Button Mash is where we run through and get you set up with the quick hit news of the past week in games before we head into our big topics for this week. So kicking off Button Mash, we start with Leave it to Snoop Dogg to deliver some of the biggest news of the day. Shocker. (laughs) Snoop Dogg says Dr. Dre is working on new music for an upcoming Grand Theft Auto game. Snoop Dogg revealed the news while as a guest on the Rolling Stones Music Now podcast. In an episode that will air on Friday, Snoop said, quote, I don't know Dr. Dre is in the, I don't know, Dr. Dre is in the studio. I do know he's making great fucking music and some of his music is connected to the GTA game that's coming out. So I think that I think that that will be the way uh, that his music is released through the GTA video game. In an article published on Wednesday, Rolling Stone says a representative from Rockstar Games declined to comment. There is a chance Snoop Dogg could be referring to the recently announced Grand Theft Auto Trilogy remaster. Dr. Dre was featured on the radio uh, on the radio stations in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, but those were previously released songs. So. Could he be talking about Grand Theft Auto 6? Can we get the detox in Grand Theft Auto 6 finally? 20, 30 years later, whatever. Anyways, moving on. In an announcement that's sure to please the fan base, Activision has said that Call of Duty Vanguard won't take up nearly as much space on your hard drive as previous games in the series. The company announced the news in a tweet on Call of Duty's official Twitter page, saying that Vanguard's install size at launch would be significantly below previous Call of Duty releases. Quote, according to Activision, this is due to a new on-demand texture or texture streaming tech uh, expected to save up to 30 to 50% on next-gen consoles and PC hard disk, uh, hard drive disk space. They haven't said anything about uh, last-gen consoles like Xbox One, PS4, but I would imagine this is probably more of a next-gen, quote-unquote, well, now current-gen feature um, in PC, obviously. It makes that a lot easier. So, anyways, though. Blizzard has announced they will be canceling BlizzCon, uh, online at least, initially planned for earlier next year, while making an effort to reimagine future BlizzCon events to be more, quote, safe, welcoming, and inclusive. In a blog post, the company said the decision was fueled by a need to redirect the energy Blizzard would normally spend putting on the event elsewhere, specifically towards, quote, supporting our teams in progressing development of our games and experiences. Blizzard still plans to make some announcements for its portfolio of games in February, around the to- uh, time the event would have helped. It's just, it just won't be in the event format uh, used in, this pa- in the past few years. 343 Industries has revealed the date when the online multiplayer servers for several Halo games on Xbox 360 will close down, and that is January 13, 2022. Back on December 18, 2020, the studio announced these servers would shut down no earlier than one year after it posted the notice, but now a definite date has been decided. Quote, To date, we've juggled uh, future-facing work and priorities uh, with continued upkeep of Halo's Xbox 360 legacy services. Maintaining these legacy services today requires significant time and resources, which directly impacts the studio's ability to support current and future projects like Halo, the Master Chief Collection, and Halo Infinite, wrote 343 Industries in a statement. So, unfortunately, if you're still playing the original releases of these games on Xbox 360, you won't be able to play them online. You can still play single player and I'm sure land and stuff like that, but unfortunately, your system link, I should say, with 360s, but unfortunately, you won't be able to do it online match, match making. 
esports and gaming organization FaZe Clan has announced its plans to go public through a merger that will value the company at a, as a whole around $1 billion. The merger is with a bank, uh, blank check company called B, uh, B. Riley Principal uh, 150 Merger Corp. Essentially a company that is founded and raises money specifically for the purpose of merging with or being acquired by another company. As a part as part of the merger, BRPM will pay an estimated 291 million to phase, which will be used to fund its ongoing global efforts, including potential future acquisitions. BRPM will change its name to Phase Holdings Inc. and the combined company will trade under the ticker symbol Phase Shocker. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, Fortnite's spooky month of crossovers continues with a new collaboration with Capcom and Resident Evil. Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine are the latest horror icons to drop onto the island and face the sideways cube monsters. The Stars team, team set includes Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine with their Stars uniforms. Chris also comes with his Hound, uh, Hound Wolf Squad outfit from Resident Evil Village as an alt, and Jill will be able to don her look from Resident Evil 3 Remake. In addition to the character skins, the set includes the green herb back bling with red herb and blue herb alt uh, styles, a typewriter saving keystroke back bling, the Hod Dodger pickaxe, and stun rod pickaxe. There's also a Broly Stroll emote complete with an umbrella. Blizzard has revealed the new name for the Overwatch character formerly known as Jesse McCree, Cole Cassidy. The official name uh, renaming will take effect in-game on October 26th. In the official tweet announcement, Blizzard appears to uh, to be acknowledging Cassidy's name changes part of the game's lore, referring to Cassidy as a character running from his past and ultimately choosing to be honest with his team and himself about who he really is. And finally, Mike, Stardew Valley creator Concerned Ape's next game will be Haunted Chocolatier, a brand new sim that bears a strong resemblance to his previous work. It's so similar, in fact, that one way, uh, it's so similar, in fact, that it looks like it ev could even be a sequel, though Concerned Ape isn't ready to confirm that one way or the other. In a brief reveal on YouTube, Concerned Ape showed off Haunted Chocolatier's beautiful new world. Much like Stardew Valley, it will be a top-down pixel-based sim, and it looks to have much of the same flavor as Concerned Ape's previous work. Some of the initial characters include Maddie, who asks uh, what it's like to live in the big city, as well as Jeff and Nigel. Presumably, you will be able to date quite a few of them, like in Stardew Valley, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of other crossover similarities. So, Mike, that's Button Mash for this week. Anything you want to run back before we head into our big topics for this week? Yeah, I love how Snoop just nonchalantly drops the news that Dr. Dre is making new music. It's kind of crazy. I remember, like, probably in the late 2000s, which is wild that it's like 20 years ago. Yeah. Late 2000s, early 2000 teens, I guess they call it. I don't know what, early 2010s. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember Dr. Dre fans being like, yo, whenever Dr. Dre drops this new shit, it's over for the, all these like rappers like Lil Wayne and stuff. And it's like, and then I just remember like Mike Collins being like, yeah, when he drops some new fucking music, yeah. <laughs> like, when's that happening? Like, and now, I mean, obviously, it's it's finally potentially happening. So, hey, I guess it took uh, GTA to do it. But hopefully the rumors are true and hopefully make some new music. I mean, everyone everyone can kind of fuck with Dr. Dre a little bit. Uh, feel oh, like, for sure. Unless you're like a diehard Easy fan and or family member. Um, <laughs> you know, because Dre Day only meant Easy's payday. But nevertheless, it is what it is. Uh, I don't have to go back into the history of rap feuds and, and diss tracks which like by the way 
if you've if you're a hip hop rap fan and you've never heard Dre Day or Real Motherfucking G's by Easy E, you need to do yourself a favor and go back and listen to them because those diss tracks back then were legit and it came from a time and period where you believed like when Biggie and Tupac were beefing, when Dre and Easy were beefing, like you thought those people could actually go and kill each other, like. Not that, like, I condone that type of behavior, no, but, but those were the stakes back then. But it's a little different than now. <laughs> I mean, potentially that did happen, so... Yeah, know. so, I mean, no one knows who who did it, like, but people have their uh, their thoughts and, and everything, but, no, you gotta go back and listen to that music. And outside of that, obviously, um, January 13th, 2022, we'll pour one out for Halo 3 and how important it was. Uh, for a lot of different reasons. Um, as far as Halo 2 is concerned, obviously one of the most uh, pivotal games in history as far as the online play and everything. Mm -hmm. But Halo 3 definitely expanded upon that. Um, so, you know, going to be sad, sad for that day. Um, and then Adam Marsh is going to be thrilled about the uh, haunted chocolatier because he's a Stardew Fa uh, Valley guy, mm -hmm. uh, rightfully so. I've heard great things about it. I haven't played it myself. But I know Adam was a big Stardew Valley fan, so I'm sure he's excited for that. Um, and, I mean, Fortnite's doing all they can to try to get me to come back. Can't come <laughs> back. Can't do it. And uh, I'm still, like, team hashtag fuck phase. So it's cool that they're going public, I guess, but I won't be supporting it. So No, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, how about this for a question? A Which question? do you think comes first? A brand new, fully, full featured Dr. Dre album. Not just, and we're not just, I'm not just talking like one song, whatever. A full length Dr. Dre album. Or Half Life 3. What the hell? Um... And now, now it doesn't need to be named Half Life 3. Just like it doesn't, like, Dr. Dre doesn't need to put out Detox or anything. Like, he could just put out a new album, just like Half Life 3 there's eventually going to be a Half-Life 3. We saw, uh, now that Alex is a thing, like, there's going to be a Half-Life 3. It may not be called Half-Life 3. It may be, hey, here's the next mainline Half-Life game that's just a standard PC game, not a VR game, yada, yada. But, like, when which do you think comes first? An album from Dr. Dre or that? Probably an album from Dr. Dre because when it comes to... Unfortunately, when it comes to, like, valve i just don't believe that they're actually gonna make it unless like they're absolutely positively forced to i guess like i just don't think half-life 3 is anywhere coming soon like i feel like they're waiting for another generation to pass before it um which might be to some surprise or disappointment to fans but like at this point i get i, I mean god damn it this question's like <laughs> <laughs> is actually harder than you think because right. I don't think either is going to happen anytime soon, to be honest. Well, at least, I now, believe Dr. At, at least now Source 2 is going to be out. So, yeah, I could at least see the ball moving a little bit quicker. I think there's a new Counter Strike before a new Half Life. And I think oh, a new Counter Strike still a long way away. But as far as Dr. Dre is concerned, like him making a new album is like, I believe like whatever he's doing now is just going to wind up being an EP. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think it's going to be his full length album. I believe he's just making a few songs for GTA, which is, like, cool. But, like, I'm sure people would love to see a new album from him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, 100%. So I, I would go with I would go with Dr. Dre's going to come out with a new album. I just don't think either is going to happen, though. 
like in theory and i'm not saying either is easy by any stretch of the imagination and in theory getting a music album out the turnaround time for that is typically shorter than a development cycle for a fully fledged triple a game you would think you would think yeah but we're also talking about dr dre who like was like hey man detox coming out it's coming out baby in like 20 years it's like oh five yeah like he was like saying detox is coming out in oh five yeah and it's like okay yeah, yeah yeah sure we're ready for it man and like we graduate high school. We graduate college. I get married, and we're still fucking waiting for. The, it's like it's like the motherfucker who did the Casper slide, and he was like, "Part three coming out real soon," and it's like, fucking nineteen ninety. He's putting that shit out, and we're still playing it today. Like, where the fuck's the Casper slide part three? Like, literally, fucking a man. Anyways, though, speaking of, ca- your DJ didn't even fucking play the Casper slide. Yeah, I was a little disappointed by that. I I'll be honest. I hate wedding DJs. Like adamantly hate wedding djs i think they're so cringy i think they're this and that i thought our guy did okay like i, I he didn't yeah. do a lot of like oh, like check this out oh welcome to couple like he did the stuff the welcomes and whatnot like that's totally fine but like the oh he let the wedding talk for itself instead of like hey i'm just going to like i'm going to MC this there's a difference between being mm-hmm. a dj and an MC. You're trying to MC this. Like, some of these guys try to MC this thing. No, 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 no. I want you to DJ it. You could talk a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. But, like, let let us have fun. But, yeah, he didn't play that. Uh, I threw a couple of songs on our wedding playlist. He just didn't fucking play, which I was mad about. I wanted to hear Tiptoe 4 by Riff Raff um, and see, like, all of my, the, like, one side of my family who was a little more conservative than the other kind of be like, wait, what? Who's, like, all yeah, dancing on the happening? dance floor? Like... <laughs> but but yes yeah i was a little pissed about that casper kind of reminded me kind of reminded me of the dj from aqua teen hunger force oh, welcome geez. mr and mrs brutowski it's Bertanda <laughs> nanalutski you get the hell off my lawn <laughs> like hold on a minute carl we got him for another couple hours <laughs> i mean things could be worse the uh the priest could forget your name at your wedding yeah that was a tough look too you were real pissed about that I uh, you were more pissed than I think we were. You were like, what the yes, fuck. <laughs> like, how hard is it, man? Like, holy shit. <laughs> Lord, have mercy on me as I beat this man's ass. <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> the power of Christ compels you. God damn it. Anyways, though, Mike, let's move into our big topics for this week before we talk about my wedding getting uh, shellacked again for and the priest forgetting our names. My last name's White. It's not that hard. Anyways. Zen, peace, Travis. Anyways, let's head into our big topics, Mike. And of course, big biggest topic of this week. We're talking Xbox. We finally saw new fucking campaign footage for Halo Infinite. Finally, the game's out in a little over a month. Yeah, allegedly, like five weeks. Yeah, in your eyes, yes, quote unquote, allegedly. Which I'm not I won't gonna believe it until I play it. I'm not gonna doubt you because you called. Or is the, it just gonna be an open? It's it might just be the open beta, and people like are gonna pay for it. Or well, the multiplayer is free, so it might be considered an open beta. You never know. Early access. Yep. Because then it really would be the. It's me, Austin. Oh, son Literally. of a bitch. <laughs> Anyways, though. We finally saw some new footage on Halo Infinite's campaign uh, that was very much welcomed, I think, by a lot of people who were ready to see, okay, you for, you know, 14 months as it is now, like since the last time we've seen this foot like footage of this game, 
well, more actually, I guess I should say, but like 14 months since it's been delayed, we we're ready to see more of this game. We're ready to see more of the campaign. This is what granted. Yes. A free to play multiplayer experience. The majority of people are going to be playing that, but a lot of people play Halo for the campaign. Like that's been a very traditional sense. Halo traditionally has had one of the more, you know, narrative based narrative, heavy campaigns with first person shooters. Uh, really one of the first, actual first-person shooter sci-fi ones for sure to implement having a cinematic narrative outside of that included you know um like cutscenes and everything like that that actually provided true cinematic approach you know compared to what we were used to seeing with you know maybe half-life or things like that that were all in engine comparative so it's really such a staple of Halo to learn about this and see what this kind of game is going to be, especially to hinting at it before uh, last year when we got the deep dive on when they first showed Halo Infinite footage that, hey, this is going to be pseudo open world. This is going to be very large environments you're going through. And really what we saw this time around was a much more fine tuned look at that and really basically making this out to be this is basically Halo meets Far Cry. And I mean that in the best possible way where you're able to tackle this game in almost any way you want. You're able to, when you're on Zeta Halo, you're kind of able to go in different ways of this game and how to approach it. You want to take down camps first. You want to do, you know, go and try to uh, rescue different Marines that are located on the map, things like that. Like you're able to really kind of approach this in almost like, I don't want to say a Breath of the Wild style fashion, but very much more open than a traditional Halo experience that, you know, if we're talking CE, had big, open, expansive levels, but was still very linear in their fact. Mm -hmm. But anyways, though, Matt Perslow over at IGN has a really good write-up on it. Let's dig into that first, kind of set the scene for this, and then we'll kind of dig a little bit deeper into it. A new video detailing the Halo Infinite campaign has been revealed, uh, has revealed brand new footage of the Master Chief's next mission, as well as an introduction to his new AI and some of the other activities that can be completed. Halo Infinite's campaign, which 343 Industries claims is the biggest Halo campaign to date, is set on the Zeta Halo, an open-world Halo ring where the Banished, a splintered faction from the Covenant, led by the Brutes, have been settled. They're, uh, they've been building outposts, which can be found on your travels and taken out, uh, akin to similar outposts in open worlds like Far Cry. In the video, we can see Chief finding an outpost named Ransom Keep and scanning it for weak points. He then uses a rocket launcher to detonate a large silo, suggesting that each outpost may have different ways to shut them down. This is part of 343's intention to offer, quote, more freedom to take down the Banished. This chapter of the Halo Saga will see the Master Chief working with a new AI companion known as the Weapon. Following the events of Halo 5 and Cortana's defection, the weapon has been created to answer the questions of what happened to Chief's previous AI and to lock her down. It seems like, once again, the relationship between Cortana and Chief will be the spotlight for Halo Infinite. Also seen in the trailer is a glimpse at free at the upgrades uh, upgrade tree, I'm sorry, which includes enhancements for Chief's new grapple shot, as well as his thrusters, shield core, threat sensor radar, and a drop wall shield. Those thrusters can be used to quickly dodge out of the way of incoming attacks, while the drop wall shield functions akin to that uh, to the Titan shield wall from Destiny. An amusing moment shows off, uh, showing off the grappling hook, which sees Chief grapple onto a Banshee midair to hijack it. It all looks very dynamic and wild. 
we see a few new enemies, including flying skimmers, a new named villain called uh, Jaga Redomini, or Redomini, who's said to be a sadistic Spartan killer and something that calls itself the Harbinger of Truth and claims that the Forerunners were liars. We also see a new chief using a wasp, or we also see a new chief using a wasp in the uh, V two O aircraft first introduced in the Halo Five. The wasp is summoned from a vehicle station, and we see Chief also had the option of other classic vehicles such as the mongoose. This is our first look at Halo Infinite's campaign since we saw it at the Xbox Game Showcase in July of 2020, ahead of the launch of the Xbox Series X and S. Master Chief's latest adventure was set to be a launch title for Microsoft's next-gen title or next-gen consoles, but the game was delayed following blowback from Halo Infinite's graphics and the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on its development timeline. So, it's obviously better late than ever, but I'm not going to lie. I was starting to get, I was starting to sweat a little on how close we'd be running up to launch date of December 8th with seeing more of this campaign or were they just going to let it ride and let people jump in and do their thing, which I'm sure nobody was expecting, but still we're cutting it a little close to see, you know, Hey, we need to get a new, basically a re a reemergence of the campaign look. Um, but there is clarity and there's a lot of polish done since then its initial re- reveal, that is. And a lot of the segments of the overview seem to be what fans have been asking for, a logical evolution of the formula of Halo's campaign. So, Mike, I got to ask, where do you stand right now with the campaign? Does the narrative we've seen so far intrigue you at all with the Banished and kind of how, you know, that's going to be taking what seems to be the first chapter of what will be an ongoing Halo story for this generation uh, on Xbox with, I think a lot of people are expecting, hey, we're going to get updates to the game. We're going to get, or whether they're free, paid, whatever, like new chapters to this, um, to the campaign. So, you know, if this is going to be the introduction of this new world of Halo, like, okay, cool. We're seeing right now, at least from right now, the Banished are the main focus. Is that going to be the first chapter? Is that, are they going to carry through all of this? You know, yada, yada. So, you know, does that narrative intrigue you? What improvements stand out the most from where we were last year when we first saw this? And, you know, do you still have any of those concerns from that package? Um, There's a lot to be happy about with what we saw. That's like, I, I think you can, that can go without saying because, you know, <laughs> what we saw before was lackluster. And I think they acknowledged it. They addressed the concerns. And now we're moving forward, you know, with a, new better looking experience which i think everyone can say um you know this is pretty unbiased that that was probably needed based on what we had saw seen previous uh what i will say as far as what i saw from the campaign i think let me let me start by saying it is disappointing that i won't be able to play campaign right off the bat in fact i probably won't touch the I, or co-op, I'm sorry. I probably won't touch the campaign until co-op is available. Mm-hmm. And if I get spoiled by then, I probably won't anyway because I'll be just be playing a lot of multiplayer. Mm-hmm. I would love to, you know, play co-op and play the campaign, and I'm hoping it's better than Halo 5. Mm-hmm. But personally, for my experience, Halo is just pretty much synonymous with, like, co-op for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't really want to play a game that I'm used to playing cooperatively without people that I normally play with, like you and Adam and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's first world problems and people are going to say boo-hoo, <laughs> but I mean, that's, it's a big difference. It's a big it deal is. breaker for me personally. So 
with that with all that being said and prefaced i will say that what i saw was very interesting i am curious to see what they do with the weapon what they do with chief in cortana's story going forward because it's something that people always kind of thought existed people were always like oh you know like chief and, and cortana are they you know obviously she's an ai how can they really be into each other but cortana has seen chief do things that obviously humans can't accomplish by themselves and she's been there to help him along the way and chief's seen cortana do things that are pretty crazy too so it's obvious that after halo 4's iteration that there was something between the two of them Obviously, as soon as they acknowledged the fact that that was a thing, uh, <laughs> they sent they sent her off uh, in this interesting way. I will say it's it's kind of something that I've watched the cutscenes from Halo Five just to kind of get the the cliff notes for the story. Mm -hmm. um, say what you will about me for being a fan, but I just wasn't gonna take. I wasn't gonna play Halo 5's campaign. I just didn't want to. I didn't you know see see the merit in doing that. So mm -hmm. I am overall a night and day difference i like i'm super excited and it's a night and day difference from the previous iteration of the campaign that we saw mm -hmm. as far as where the banished fit into everything i would see them as being they did you know expose a little bit like the forerunners are still around much to i'm sure everyone's chagrin mm -hmm. they felt like pretty hollow uh antagonists and people weren't really that thrilled about it but i will say that they still you know, based on how intertwined they are with the storyline, they they need to be in the game at some point. Um, mm -hmm. But nevertheless, I'm curious to see how they build out Chief in the weapon and Cortana's relationship. Like, how is Chief going to take the weapon? Is Chief going to welcome her in? Is Chief going to be looking for... Like, I'm sure Chief's going to still be looking for Cortana. You know, how is that whole dynamic going to go? That's what I'm more interested in, more so than the Banished, personally. Mm -hmm. I know the Banished are going to be the primary antagonist, but I'm more curious to see how they build on Chief chasing after Cortana and how Chief's relationship with the the weapon is going to continue to unfurl or, or you know, grow. Uh, and I will say R.I.P. Craig. Uh, Craig got yeah. upgraded. He had, a, he had a total makeover, so thank God for that. <laughs> uh, I'm pumped about that. But... I think the narrative is is really strong. I think that it's going to do a good job bringing people in, bringing the casual fans in. Because at the end of the day, like this is their moneymaker on the game, besides skins and things of that nature. Like They're relying on <laughs> the campaign to make their money because you're mm -hmm. going to get the multiplayer for free. So it's kind of life or death for them that the campaign's good. Like I said, I will dive into it wholeheartedly and fully when I can play with other people. Mm -hmm. But as of now, I do feel like they made great strides and they made great growth decisions um, as far as what you're going to be able to do, calling in vehicles. Um, you feel like a super soldier, which it felt like in Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo... Well, not really Halo Reach, but Halo 4, if you played on easier difficulties, you certainly felt like a super soldier. When you played through on Legendary, obviously mm -hmm. you got humbled a little bit, but <laughs> people will complain about the hardest difficulty and say, oh, Chief's supposed to be a super soldier. It's not supposed to be that difficult. I feel like the good part about the Legendary difficulty in the past has been Chief is still a fucking super soldier because look at how fast the Marines die, but you're still up against long odds. I feel like that's been one of the things that people might lose in translation when you play through Halo games is you have to understand that from the lore standpoint, just how long of odds chief has always been up against you're talking about the onslaught of the entire human race should have been accomplished 
three times mm-hmm. in these games. Like <laughs> the human race should have been no more. It should have been over. And number four, but against all odds, chief perseveres and by chief succeeding the human race, you know, succeeds. So it has a little bit of gears of war feeling. And it always has in that sense that maybe gears of war took that from halo mm-hmm. that like in gears of war, one of the things that always brought me to it is like just how big of a launch long shot you really were. And you always have been. And the same thing can be said for Halo. I do feel like the... I, I did make the comment to you that during the showcase, it seemed like they might have had God mode on because the person playing would take damage and their shields wouldn't go down at all. Mm-hmm. So I am curious to see how the game actually plays because if you're playing on a harder difficulty, you're not going to have God mode on, on all the time. How much damage you're going to be able to take. Those are the things that they didn't answer. Um, so we'll see what happens. But there's a lot of question marks still remain to be seen and remain to be answered mm-hmm. but overall um you know i'm 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 excited and i'm curious to see where they go from here and that's the first time i can say i've been curious about a campaign of halo since halo 4 yeah oh for sure and and i think that's where a lot of people are standing where they're actually seeing a lot of that's why i say they're finally seeing a lot of the things that they've been asking for answered where what they were hoping for with, I mean, realistically at the end of the day, Halo four should have been a launch title for the Xbox one. Um, Mm -hmm. And Halo five should have had more time to breathe. And I think because of the rush nature of getting Halo five, we, Hey, we need, we need this next gen Halo experience to push sales of the Xbox one. They're dragging behind the PS four. Let's get this game out, yada, yada. And to its credit, it is one of the best looking games on the Xbox One, but it's one of those things that also, too, for the sole fact of, I'm just so glad that 343 was like, hey, we got to dial down the fucking lens flare in this game. And Yeah, like you couldn't see. Yeah. So my thing is, I, I'm, already, I'm already way ahead on this game. Like, I'm already super happy about it. I'm super happy about just the changes they've made to this game comparative to halo 5 and i'm one of those people who like is halo 5 what i wanted does halo 5's narrative fit within the lore of halo like in terms of is this what i want moving forward for the halo series no i'm aligned with everyone on that it wasn't complete dog shit to you know it wasn't like i wanted to gouge my eyes out like some people like have talked about like man i wish i could just erase my memory and you know if i could that'd be the one thing i'd go back and never do is play halo 5's campaign and it's like no you're being hyperbolic like chill so i think like if you would have combined halo 5 and like follow like hear me out here uh because i can't think of a halo game besides halo 4 that's more like forgettable that people just like write off and don't give a shit about Mm -hmm. if you could have combined halo 4's campaign with halo 5's multiplayer Mm -hmm. and release them together like you said release them on like a little bit of a delay for halo on xbox one Mm -hmm. that would have been like the key to success i in my opinion because halo 4's campaign was really solid and even though i don't like halo 5's multiplayer Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's that great it's you can't deny the fact that it's like light years ahead of Halo 4 multiplayer wise. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, hell, at least the game was supported, unlike Halo 4. So like what at least you could say that hey, three four three actually cared about that game. You know, but anywho. But yeah, I, I definitely what we saw I thought was while it was short lived, very much gave me, hey, this feels like 
the same like i used breath of the breath of the wild as an example earlier and yeah it's not in the sense of that much grandeur or you know those are going to be two different games whenever they're approached but it's it goes back to the evolution that i keep talking about the formula for breath of the wild was an evolution of the original legend of zelda game where hey you can literally you boot up the game as soon as you get out of the um the uh whatever not resurrection chamber or whatever they call it um that link was in uh and you get out into you know onto uh the great plateau for the first time like from there you can do whatever you want like you can just go if you're if you're able to cheese it and get down off of the plateau and go you can go right to hyrule castle and take on uh ganon if you want like you are able to do that so why I say that is this feels very much like an evolution of CE um, where all this that I'm watching, you can take multiple different routes through CE levels that could be different, could be, you know, have the same layout, but have a different approach where this feels very much like I'm going to tackle things on this level that each, each one of these, you know, whether it's, um, you know, outposts or things like that are going to feel like these pockets within the Zeta Halo feel like they're going to be like levels onto themselves. And the expansiveness of that really feels like this is, if we were to make Halo CE again in 2021, this is what it feels like it would be. At least I'm hoping for, obviously. But from what I've seen, that's what I feel like we're going to get. And, and I'm kind of ready for that because, well, I... Don't get me wrong. I love Halo 2, Halo 3. I enjoyed Halo 4's, can't, like, the narrative of Halo 4 for the most part. Halo 5 was what it was, but I think I go back and want to play Halo CE the most from a gameplay standpoint just for the fact of how much more grandeur the... how less linear that game feels, even though it is a very linear game, but the presentation of that game, to me, feels much more grander in scale than the mm-hmm. other two, just for the sole fact of, I know I'm playing a, you start at A, make it to B kind of experience with Halo 2 and 3. And that's totally fine because I love those games for what they are. And they, I think they're some of the best games, you know, especially Halo 3 to come out within modern gaming, especially from a multiplayer standpoint. But I'll, from a campaign standpoint, this feels more in line of what we first experienced. It feels like it's going to be a breath of fresh air for this game, or for this franchise. Um, and, you know, obviously the multiplayer being free to play, we're not too worried about that because of the fact of, at bare minimum, this is going to be a game that everybody who has an Xbox can own and play. Hell, you don't even need to have an Xbox to own and play this. You can play it via the cloud. Like, you play it on your phone. So, like... Anybody can get in and play this game at, you know, the cost of it at, you know, the least if you don't have an Xbox, just getting a, you know, Game Pass Ultimate subscription or whatever. But point being, though, it's it's crazy to me that we waited this long to get this kind of update and it's only six minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that was the biggest kicker. I was like, I could do it with another five minutes. Like, I want to walk me through taking out one of these camps. I want to know, I want to see uh, E3 style demo. And I know there's a lot that goes into E3 demos. Like there have been countless documented times that where development studios are like, hey, it took us a year to make this E3 demo. And Bungie historically with Halo 2's E3 demo, 
that was not indicative of Halo 2. That was like, we legitimately made that and, and we were like, we're not going to be able to put this out on an Xbox. Mm -hmm. Like, like understandably. So I get it, but with the game this close to release, you could show me a side quest, you know, outpost that's going to be played on there. Like, I want to know what that feels like, what, how the flow of this game's going to feel. Um, but overall, from what I saw, I was happy about it. I thought it looked like it ran well. It looked like the art direction for this game, while committing to its original art direction, was much more polished, much more, hey, we have the finer details of this. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were pointing out the, um, ah, I can't for, I can't remember his name, but the um, the leader of the Banished, when they were pointing out, oh, look at, Look at how much more detail is in his face and this and that, and yada, yada. What people need to also keep in mind was that's a cinematic shot, like confirmed cinematic shot compared to last year. Hey, this is an in-engine shot. Yeah. Two very different things. So, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be very much, I still think, a, hey, we're going to come into this game hot because if we only, only saw six minutes of this game, you know, five weeks out, like we're going to be coming in hot because this looks like it's going to be a relatively expansive game. Like this isn't going to be a quick five hour campaign. Like this is going to, you know, granted maybe take between 10 and 20 hours to get done. I would think because they have, they said anything about it maybe being episodic, like kind of like, uh, kind of similar to like the way that they made destiny. I think there's going to be very much. And that's where I was kind of alluding before that it's very much tongue in cheek right now where, they haven't said anything official that, hey, yes, you're going to be getting live update. Like, I thought that would be this this uh, this deep dive of this uh, of campaign would get where they confirm a lot of that or they talk about the future for this game, because very much so if you're calling it Halo Infinite, there's already, you know, from the moment they said, hey, this is Halo Infinite, like people are like, OK, this is going to be not live service, but this is going to be a game that very much, hey, like Fortnite or something like that, where you're investing into the base game here and you're going to get content throughout the year um, mm -hmm. and or uh, throughout its lifetime, I should say. So I'm, I'm expecting, Hey, here is Halo Infinite's, you know, launch campaign, the, uh, you know, the base story of this game or campaign that you're going to play through. Okay, cool. Maybe from the fallout of that, we're going to get, Hey, here's the, the quote unquote DLC is just, here's the next update, you know, like, you know, a Taken King or uh, Forsaken or something like that, that we're going to get a new area of the Zeta Halo ring or whatever that we're eventually going to just go into. So, you know, I, I I still expect that. I was hoping we'd get confirmation on that to be like, hey, mm -hmm. yeah, that's going to happen. You know, just make, you know, prepare for this not to be the only thing. We want you to invest in Halo Infinite long term on both sides of the coin with campaign and multiplayer. So I don't know. We'll see. I Because I definitely don't think with the game being free to play and you going and buying, needing to purchase the multi or the single player portion of this game for $60, that is a big ask. Um, not that like, I mean, I love Halo. I, I'm going to be buying, I'm going to be buying the game. Um, not just on game pass. Like I have it pre-ordered so I can get the steelbook because it's one of those franchises. I just, 
I want to get, you know, the full experience, quote unquote, full experience. I want to go and buy the physical version of the game. Like, but at the same time, too, like if people are being asked, hey, yeah, I want to play multiplayer, but I also want to they also want you to invest in campaign and this to be one of those games. Hey, you buy Call of Duty, Madden and the new Halo expansion each year, just like people buy the new Destiny expansion, Madden, Call of Duty, yada, yada. That's it. That's all they buy. So I would imagine they want that to be this. And it's all going to tie into each other because this, it sounds like Microsoft's just making a platform for Halo now. So I think we will see episodic stuff. I'm shocked we didn't already, but. Does my prediction of it getting uh, delayed, does it, it, do we count it if the campaign's delayed? (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I like, would. Do you call that a do you call that a delay? Yeah, I would. I I would just because I if you're asking me it's still a package thing. Well, while I know it is, hey, we're releasing this kind of tongue in cheek two parts for the most part. Mm-hmm. At the same time, this is this is they're still selling this as one package. This is still being marketed as one package. So, if you know, the single player portion of this game is delayed. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, er, like I would still count that. I should say I should. I wouldn't like if that happens, I wouldn't be shocked. And I also would say like, yeah, you're probably right. Like that to me is a delay because it's still part of this whole package that we were supposed to get in, you know, November of 2020 that we're now right. in December of 2021. So, yeah, I would count it. But, All right. Well, I hope it doesn't come to that, but no. you never know. I think it's too far along. I, I, I personally think we're going to play this game on December 8th, but in what state will we play this game? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Anyways, Mike, let's head into our last news article while we wrap up the show here. Vicarious Visions, who we were talking about earlier in the show, will reportedly reportedly merge fully with Blizzard, dropping its old name. This comes from Natalie Clayton over on PC Gamer, as always. All the links that we go through on this show will be in the description. Go over there and give all the authors clicks. So, let's dive into it. Earlier this year, Activision celebrated the release of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 by announcing developer Vicarious Visions would be repositioned to solely support Blizzard games. Now, Polygon reports that the studio will drop its name entirely as it fully merges with the Warcraft maker. Sources at Vicarious Visions told Polygon that the name drop was announced at a town hall yesterday and that while no new name has been confirmed, many suspect the studio will be rebranded as Blizzard Albany in line with the studio's other satellite offices. Prior to the announcement, staff told Polygon that they expected uh, Visions would continue to operate as its own entity under but not explicitly part of Blizzard. While staff noted that this wasn't an entirely unexpected move, some felt blindsided by its positioning as a, quote, light and quick meeting. Bizarrely, management also made the announcement during a studio Halloween costume day, with Polygon noting that many many employees were dressed up in spooky outfits when the news broke. Quote, for all the leadership talk about being more transparent in response to the lawsuit and uh, and resulting fiasco, the fact they decided to blindside us all with this feels about as far from transparent as you can get, commented one employee. That, quote, fiasco refers to Activision Blizzard's ongoing lawsuit with the two government, bo- government bodies over accusations of sexual harassment, abuse, and discrimination. 
This week, the uh, publisher's attempt to kill the lawsuit over a conflict of interest was denied, though it's unlikely Activision will stop trying to use the dispute between California's uh, Department of Employment and Housing and the Equal uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission to its advantage. Vicarious Vision's leadership reportedly told staff that no layoffs are planned as part of the merger. In May, Activision similarly pivoted Spyro developer Toys for Bob into a Call of Duty support studio, though it remains to be seen if the studio will similarly be absorbed by one of the publisher's big hitters. So, I have a feeling this won't be the last time we hear of restructuring like this within Blizzard moving forward, um, just because I feel like there's going to be... I, I feel like we're still only at the tip of the iceberg with the whole Blizzard fiasco, if you want to call it that, the, the shittiness to come out of Blizzard. I think we're only kind of just touching the surface a little bit, but I guess when you think about it, though, it's... We've known that Vicarious about Vicarious Vision's merger for quite some time now, a complete merger into another arm of Blizzard is an interesting play, um, especially, mm-hmm. too, when you consider everything that they've done. Sure, they've been supporting a supporting studio with Blizzard at times, with, as we were just talking about, Diablo, Res- Diablo 2 Resurrected, um, but also really making strong performing titles of their remakes almost to the level of, you know, really, I, I don't think it's that crazy to think of Blue Point Studio now under Sony's wing, but, you know, to that level of quality with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 and the Crash Bandicoot, Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, like, remakes that really have been really, really well-received. So, does this, does the naming portion of this matter, or is this just something that, you know, many fans will just find unfortunate? Does does the individuality of this, even though they haven't necessarily had that for too long, um, in terms of, like, you know, They've been taking on Blizzard projects and things like that. Like that necessarily won't change too much outside of now they're going to be solely focusing on Blizzard uh, projects and, you know, being a support studio of that nature. Does the naming portion really matter or is that something just, you know, that's just going to be a unfortunate casualty to come out of this whole situation? Um, I don't know. I can say as someone who worked for a company that had a corporate merger, not something it was probably actually considered bigger, I suppose. But I think, you know, from my like my experience being on the inside, the only people that really know what's going on and what to expect are the people at the top. And then even then, I feel like they're either ill prepared or they don't. They, they have some shortcomings when it comes to what to expect when something like this happens. Because when two, I know Vicarious Visions wasn't huge, but when two companies like this merge, the people that don't have any clue what it actually means are the people that are in the trenches every day making the games. Those types of people are kind of left in the lurch and they don't know what to expect. What does this mean for my job? Am I being replaced? Am I going to lose my job? Oh, great. Now there's more people to compete for promotions. There's more people like this. There's more people in the way for X. There's this. There's that. All this other stuff that happens that people at the top don't account for or they don't care to account for or they don't even think to account for. All those things happen internally with their employees. And they a lot of the times, like I said, they don't even, they don't even expect or, or know it's coming. The naming rights might not be that big of a deal if Vicarious Visions only work was happening with Blizzard, but 
it's a bigger deal for Vicarious Visions than for Blizzard because now Vicarious Visions all of a sudden has no, they have no leverage. They can't make their own games if they don't want to. They could wind up being stuck like in Space Jam whenever Michael Jordan's going to go one-on-one with the Toon Stars and he's going to be, you know, put on more on Mountain to play one-on-one against people and lose for the rest of eternity. Like, that could be what Vicarious Vision winds up doing. They could be stuck on Moron Mountain, aka Blizzard Activision, and just remaking their ga- old games and barely profiting off of it. Like, is a Diablo One remake in the lur- in the works? Is a Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three coming? Is Thug uh, remastered coming? What all remasters are coming? Because yeah, Warcraft Three remastered wasn't what people wanted it to be, but if you play the game for the campaign, it's actually pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved Tony Hawk 1 and 2. So are they just going to be relegated to only making remakes? That doesn't feel really great for Vicarious Visions and the people that work for them. Those are all things that kind of get lost in translation when you talk about these sorts of mergers, these sorts of changes. Um, the only people that really benefit from it are like the higher-ups, it seems like. Everyone else at, at the bottom and down are the ones that kind of suffer from it. So I will say... If their only goal was to make games for Blizzard, congratulations, that's been accomplished. But if they're, if some of the people that were working for the studio and working very hard on games because they have a lot of hard workers there and people that, you know, might have thought, oh, maybe we'll make our own games soon. And by, by all me- intents and purposes, whenever they make Diablo 2 Resurrected, they're making their own game. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they're just kind of putting polish on an old gem like are they going to want to make their own games now they're not going to have that option unless blizzard will grant that wish and blizzard has had a lot of bad publicity so maybe they wouldn't want to like deny vicarious visions that right or that opportunity but you never know until you know push comes to shove what's going to happen whenever it comes to these games or does Blizzard already have all these ideas for them that they're literally just going to be like, yeah, we're going to have you make a new Tony Hawk or we're going to have you remake Tony Hawk's Underground or we're going to have you remake this, which like, again, I wouldn't be mad about it. In fact, I would love it. But is that what Vicarious Visions wanted? I guess we'll never know now because it, it doesn't really matter because they've lost that. You kind of lose all your rights whenever you have this merge. Like, mm-hmm. are you going to have a say in things? Maybe at, at, at some like at some points in time, like you'll have a little bit of a say in it. But at the end of the day, basically Blizzard can just go ahead and flex their muscle and just be like, yeah, we're just going to have you do this. We don't really care what you have to say about it. So I think that's something that happens in these mergers that people might not really have foresight for. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear what, like what you have to say about it though. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Because on, on, on my experience, Basically, the employees of the company that we acquired didn't want to change to our standard, and we certainly didn't want to go to their standard because if they were doing better, they would have had they wouldn't have been like we wouldn't have purchased them or acquired them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, and that's that's the thing. I personally had never been a part of that, so from firsthand experience, I have no idea what that would be like. But kind of looking in from the outside, when we're looking at from at least the games industry. It usually seems relatively now the biggest worry was obviously, hey, are there going to be layoffs with this or you yeah. know, are we going to see jobs lost because of this? And no, because really, realistically, there's no justifi- justifiable reason to see that considering, hey, this development team just released, you know, one of the best, you know, sports games to come out in a while and or one of the best remakes, you know, for this past generation and 
in one of the best games of this past year. So like, you know, how are you going to necessarily turn around and say, hey, this was profitable and, you know, highly successful, both critically and commercially to then, you know, hey, we're just going to just start axing everyone's job because of that. It's, they're asking for trouble with that. But point well, being, you never know, because they might say, like, we already have these people true at Blizzard that are either cheaper or whatever. True. Do we really need like, are these other positions redundant? Like, those are the things that people especially people that are making the decision to have the merger. Those are the types of things that they already know, but they are going to like, they're going to, they'll, they'll dress it up. They'll say, Oh, there won't be job loss with this merger, but like people, they're going to close an entire studio or something, but they'll create new jobs within blizzard that will now be open to the public. So was their job loss? Technically no, because there's still the same number of jobs, but at the end of the day, the people that were working now lost their jobs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's always ways that they can like put lipstick on a pig and like they can always polish a turd like corporations always and they're king at it. That's why they're so that's why corporations are always so successful because they're really good at polishing turds and making and like spinning press the way that they want it to be spun. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And that's that's kind of like. It's hard to really imagine what the games industry would look like if you know, we saw if we didn't like the games industry can continues to get bigger and bigger, but it also keep, keeps getting smaller or bigger in its segmentation. Like in terms of like people are worried about Microsoft becoming a monopoly and that's not mm -hmm. going to be the case. It's just not like the way that it would need to be much more than that. But you do look at the amount of studios that are being gobbled up by either Sony, Microsoft or third parties as well that the double a experience is pretty much gone at this point um, yep indie devs are getting like it's either up left and right yeah and indie devs too but you're either an independent developer or you're triple a like it, that space in between of hey we're gonna put out this double a experience that you know turns out to be a cult hit or something like that is gone like the 40 dollar game is gone now for the most part um, outside of, you know, independent studios or things like that, or, you know, some rare, you know, exceptions do lie with, you know, hey, a Amazon could put out New World for $40, and that's, uh, you know, a games with service that's hopefully going to have a long life cycle, so that's a little different, but for the most part, it's, you know, it, anymore, it is indie to AAA, and that's what worries me that I want more, that's fine if you have you know, hey, we're purchasing this team. Like, like it's going to be interesting to see, obviously, what, you know, guys or teams like Obsidian do, teams like, um, uh, oh, what is it? Uh, who made We Happy Few? Uh, oh. It's on the tip of my tongue. Compulsion Games. Um, you know, studios like that who typically have a smaller, you know, kind of development staff, even as a triple a develop uh, like even as somebody who's a quote-unquote triple a developer so you know or now i should say at least but it, it's just going to be interesting to see kind of what the games industry looks like after really all of this um and what really kind of like stands out with you know these studios that hey they make x they're smaller teams but they've been doing great work under a bigger publisher but now they're kind of being merged into you know, these huge development teams or huge publishing where they become just a part of the publishing brand itself. Like, 
like a satellite studio of a publisher developer like you know a blizzard for example or before bethesda you know at before bethesda was owned by microsoft a you know bethesda rockville bethesda austin you know that kind of satellite studio so it's really going to be i'm really curious to see how this all plays out and what really the future of that middle ground looks like because we're starting to see that slip farther and further away as we kind of move into hey games don't take you know 10 you know they don't make um, they don't take a million dollars to make they make they're like 10 million dollars 20 million dollars 30 million dollars more 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 so it's really going to be interesting to kind of see where we lie like i'm curious in five years what this looks like with all these studios getting gobbled up in the space for that 40 dollars title where did it go is there anything that fills that? Is it literally, hey, you're independent or you're AAA? It's almost like music. It's almost like the music industry for the most part, which is not a good thing. <laughs> so, anyways, though, Mike, it's gonna wrap up our news for the week. But before we wrap up the show, let's head into party chat. And if you're new to the show, party chats where we propose one question at the end of each week of the show that we want to discuss with you. Could be as simple as, you know, what are you playing right now? What did you, uh, what was your favorite story beat that you most recently played? Or it could be like things like more in depth, like talking about mental health and gaming and whatnot. But after answering the question ourselves, we kick it over to you to tweet your responses to the question over on our Twitter at GPGC podcast or our email at bonus at gmail.com. And we'll read some of the responses the following week. Last week's question, what does the next evolution to the Game Pass formula look like? And Carl G said, I think it will eventually see, emailed in, said, I think it will eventually see a fully branched path that only offers stream, streaming to go along with their inevitable cloud gaming device. I'm guessing he's talking about Microsoft. So interesting. Yeah, I definitely could see that happening. Mike, this week's question, since we're getting into spooky time and Halloween's this weekend, I want to know what are some elements that make a great horror slash scary video game, well, good or scary in this sense? Hmm. Like some um, of your favorite horror titles, some of your favorite scary video games, what do they do well and why do you think they do it so well? And, you know, what makes the a basis to a great horror video video game? I think for me, when it comes to horror games in, in particular, like, one of my favorite games, um, one of my favorite games of, like, the horror genre was Amnesia, or is Amnesia, I guess I should say, because it's still, like, one of my favorites. And when you look at that game, you ask yourself, like, oh, what did they do in that game to make it so special? And I think telling having very good storylines is important. Um... And you don't have to necessarily be able to fight back for it to be a proper scary game. Mm -hmm. Using sound to their advantage is one of the things that they did for the first time as far as, like, Amnesia was, like, they used distant visions of what you thought were ghosts or what you thought were, like, the enemies. And they used shadows, ex like, in an expert way. Mm -hmm. um, this is the Dark Descent, that is. And then they also combined all that with use, utilizing the sound to their advantage to bring those scary visions to life. And they let people's minds play on them, like play on them or like play with themselves, basically. Like, you know, whenever you're in the dark and you might not, your eyes haven't quite adjusted yet. And you might have just saw a scary movie or played a scary game and your mind starts playing tricks on you and has you imagining things. Mm -hmm. They did that really well. So those types of things are what I look for in a scary video game that I think is, you know, tip top shape. 
um, utilizing like the fear factor. I'm not a big like jump scare guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm 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 very I've, I'm very much someone who enjoys building up tension and then releasing the tension. But I don't like to use jump scares to release the, that tension. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I love building atmosphere. I love building tension from just environmental storytelling and things like that. Um, I always thought that that's why one of the reasons why I love Resident Evil 7 so much. There's not a ton of jump scares, but the atmosphere and the environmental storytelling is so so perfectly done in that game, especially three-fourths of the game, um, and especially when you're in the Baker Mansion. But like when I think of great horror games that I played that really do that well, Outlast is one of them, except for there's one jump scare mm-hmm towards the beginning of that game that gets me every single time that is really good because you're not expecting it. But outside when you're of, like in the bathroom or whatever, when you go into the library, like mm-hmm. right yeah. at the beginning, like you just open the one door and it's just the dude's fucking body falls. So yep. that gets everyone every time. Um, but outside of that, I love it's very much taking, uh, you know, a note from amnesia that is another great, you know, horror video game. But like, I love that feeling of helplessness that, listen, you have no you you have no way to fight back. You just literally have to find a way to survive, whether that is hiding, whether that is running, whatever. But you cannot fight back. There's no way you win this. You you cannot fight back. So I love that you're put in those situations of no, you're going to feel helpless. And you're going to know you feel like we're going to tell you you're helpless. There is no way that you are able to get out of this. And I love those those style of games because it's so unique. I think there's more ways to tackle games in that in that fashion. Like, I think I think the design web for those games is so much broader and so much more intricate compared to which there's nothing wrong with. Obviously, I love Resident Evil and I'm a huge fan of the series, but survival horror is a little different in that sense where there is an action element. There is a way to, okay, yeah, I could shoot a zombie if I have the bullets to do so. And it's still Mm -hmm. interesting in that manner of, you know, oh, I have limited ammo. What am I going to do? I need to have resource management with this. Like, but at the same time too, you could fight your way out or you could run where in some other games, it's like, okay, well now I only have a lantern or a flashlight or, you know, an outlast situation. I have a camera that has night vision. Like I have to just has batteries. It has batteries. So there's more resource management, but you know, there's just I think there's more of a interesting pathway to solving the puzzles that those games provide you with. So a lot of really good horror games out right now. That's like that's the one really good thing that's came out of modern gaming in the past, like, you know, 10 years or so is just it's the rebirth of the horror video game. And now that there's so much more of a cinematic approach to a lot of games that people are really able to kind of take off with that. So I'm really, really looking forward to playing some horror video games this weekend. Clearly, as I'm asking this question. But (laughs) anyways, Mike, I think that's going to do it for episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the Internet? Talk about all we talked about today. Halo Infinite and Vicarious Visions. All the nerdy stuff we talked about today on today's show. Where can people find you online to talk about it? You can find me on Twitter at T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's Toy Soldier, but the second O is an X. Or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Nice, nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus, on most internet platforms, including at Travelus underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter. And 
want to play some video games with me, you can do so over on Xbox Live. It's just regular old Travelist. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, no underscore. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all of that jazz I tell you every week, and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and of course, our dope giveaways. And with that being said, Mike, it's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.